Welcome to All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to be mobilized to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. Thank you, Esther. Glad to have the kids in here. We love family. Please don't trip. All right, if you want to open up to Jude in your Bible, you will hang a far right in the New Testament. It is the letter just before the book of Revelation, the Revelation to John. It's this little letter that we've been looking at that's got 25 verses. We're in part four of our series on Jude. We've been talking about contending for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, and we're seeing how timely this word is from Jude, a much neglected letter in the New Testament. And we've been seeing that Jude has called the church as God's beloved people. He calls them beloved three times. He wants that at the forefront of their mind. God loves you. The Father loves you. You belong to him. And he's calling the church in the first century, and because we're reading it and learning from it, because it's the living and active word of God, we're gleaning from it what the first century church did. And the first thing that Jude is calling them to do is discern and root out false teaching and distorted teachings on grace that lead to sexual immorality. And the denial of the lordship of Jesus, really at the heart of that is rebellion and an unwillingness to submit to him and to submit to his leaders as we're gonna see today. So discerning and rooting out false teaching. And the second thing is to counter that. And we're gonna look really at that next week. He's gonna give clear directions on how the saints are to counter the false teaching by preserving and proclaiming the Christian faith. The teachings of Christ, the apostles, the gospel of the kingdom, the whole counsel of God. And we've also been seeing that Jude models for us, doesn't he? When you see false teaching, when you begin to discern these things, his response is to open the scriptures, open the Bible up. And for him, that was the Old Testament. The New Testament was not completed yet. And so he's showing us time and time again how to use the Bible as a lens through which to view false teachers and false teaching. We've seen that Jude loves threes, doesn't he? He's a Jewish Christian and woven into the scriptures are groups of three. You can think of a very famous one, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. So as a Jewish Christian, he's laying some things out. It's the way that they spoke and it's the way that they learned, groups of three. And so we're gonna see another group of three today. He's gonna give us three more types or examples from the Old Testament in verses 11 through 16 of rebellious people. And he's pointing to them in the scriptures so that the church that he's writing to can say, that is exactly, that parallels the false teachers. They have the same disposition. They have the same attitude. They're doing the same things that we read in the Old Testament. I wanna say up front, we're gonna look at something just like we saw last week, this 
there's some things that he's quoting that aren't included in the canon or the collection of scripture. So today we're actually going to look at a prophecy from the book of Enoch. And this affirms what's in scripture. We'll get into it in a minute. Let's read verses 11 through 16 here in Jude. And as you know, I encourage you to bring your own Bible. We have slides up here, but it's a good thing to have your own Bible, to spend time in it, to invest in it. And it's actually better for learning as well. It's proven that if you're reading the pages, it's easier for your mind to comprehend those things. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray for the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our hearts. We ask for that spirit of wisdom and revelation to teach us, to transform us through your word. We thank you for your word and we pray in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So we're gonna see him giving three more Old Testament types. You'll see him, we'll read verses 11 through 13 here and then we'll talk about the prophecy of Enoch secondly. So again, he's got this ongoing description of the false teachers and he picks up at verse 11, listen to what he says, woe to them for they go the way of Cain and abandon themselves to Balaam's error for the sake of gain and perish in Korah's rebellion. We're gonna go back and look at those again, taken right from the Old Testament at verse 12. These are blemishes on your love feasts. While they feast with you without fear, feeding themselves, they are waterless clouds carried along by the winds, autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, uprooted wild waves of the sea casting up foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the deepest darkness has been reserved forever. So some of us might think, man, Jude really has it out for these false teachers, doesn't he? I mean, he, it's relentless. He's describing them, he's unmasking them, and I think we have to pay attention to that. When you look at the Gospels, Jesus talks about false teachers and false prophets frequently. And then you look at the other letters, the epistles of Paul and others, they are talking about this regularly. They're calling the church to discern it and then to turn to the scriptures and use the plumb line of scripture. So here he goes again. He looks back in the book of Genesis, Genesis 4, 1 through 15, and he's saying the false teachers are like Cain. They're going in the same pathway as Cain that we read about. Cain, what a story it is with his brother Abel in Genesis 4. Really at the heart of it is Cain was rebelling. He was rebelling against God. He gave the sacrifice that he wanted to. And the scriptures say that he was angry. He was an angry person. He ended up offering the sacrifice that he wasn't supposed to. He ends up murdering his brother. Do you remember the familiar story? He ends up going out from the Lord's presence. And he becomes a wanderer. And so Jude is looking at the life of Cain, the way that he lived, and he's saying the false teachers share those characteristics. Look at verse 11, B. So they go the way of Cain, secondly... They abandon themselves to Balaam's heir for the sake of gain. What's been fun this week is I'm going back and rereading 
those stories. Amanda and I have been talking about this. We, through Jude, it leads us back into the Old Testament scriptures and we revisit these stories and Jude is gleaning from them. So he's saying these false teachers are like Balaam. They're committing some of the same errors that Balaam did, this prophet in the Old Testament. And at the heart of it is financial gain. So when you read the story in Numbers 22 through 25, you can go back and look at that later. That was the essence of what Balaam did. He was a prophet for pay. And it's intriguing to read the, the story of Balaam there in Numbers 22 through 25, because at times he seems to be right on. He seems to prophesy and obey the Lord and do what he's supposed to, but then he's corrupted along the way. And he ends up prophesying for financial gain and leading the people of God astray. And so Jude is saying, these people, the false teachers that have infiltrated the church, do similar things. I think it's important to see this, the notion of mixture, the idea of mixture. Some good prophetic ministry mingled with the desire for money and subtly leading other people away from the Lord into idol worship and immorality. Jesus, we looked at this earlier in Matthew 7, Jesus says that there are false prophets and there will be false prophets. They'll put on clothing like they're sheep, but inwardly they're wolves. That's exactly what he's getting at here. This week as I was thinking about this, I was saying, well, Lord, there's so many people to choose from that illustrate this. One prophetic person that someone started sending me some links to probably a year and a half ago, and I started listening to this person, very influential online, big following, and I thought, man, this guy is sharing some profound insights, seems to have a genuine gift from the Lord to look at current events, to look at the church and prophesy what God is indicating. And I would follow the links that people were sending and listen to them. And then one time this brother began to teach on money. And I said, ah, please don't do that. He started to basically speak like Balaam would. And he was mingling true prophetic insight with skewed teaching on money. Basically, kind of a, a magical approach to money that if you, it, it was kind of the name it, claim it, kind of the God's entitled. If you give to him, he's gonna increase your bank accounts. And I just, I was shocked. But I said, what an example that is. Lots of people following this guy, the mixture of his prophetic insights, but really at the heart of it, there's something off. So I, I quit listening. I told the person, I'm not going to listen to that anymore for this reason. And friends, there are alleged prophets all over the place. Wouldn't you agree? Many of you have listened to some of these contemporary prophets. And I encourage you, based on the scriptures, have your discerner on. If something in your gut is saying, ah, there's something off here, I can just sense it in their teaching, their interpretation of scripture, something about money that it was just, it was off. And then I did some research and found out this person's net worth and it made sense. So I think that we just have to have our discerners on. Now I don't wanna create a straw man, you know, that is easy 
to attack, but this was very subtle. And that's exactly what Jude is getting at. It wasn't obvious, it was something subtle. Look at the latter part of verse 11 here. So they've gone the way of Cain. They have this prophetic mixture of error with a love for money. And then thirdly, they perish in Korah's rebellion. And again, this is found in number 16. And you can read the story, and basically what happened in this story was this man, Korah, led a revolt against Moses and Aaron, the God-appointed leadership. Korah stirred up mutiny, and he got 250 Jewish leaders to revolt against Moses. It was subtle. Again, he didn't just stir up these 250 people and say, let's go overthrow God's appointed leadership. He actually raised the question to Moses. He said, who appointed you leader? Aren't we all authorized by God? Aren't we all anointed by God? So it was very subtle. And so what Jude is saying again, just like Korah did in the Old Testament, there are certain people that infiltrate the church. They don't let you know that they're going to lead a mutiny, that they're going to challenge the servant leaders of the church, but they do it very subtly. I was thinking of an example that I read in the past couple of years of a soccer player. There's a European soccer player that came to the United States the team that he was joining was thrilled. They were like, I can't believe this guy is joining our team, our club. He's going to elevate the play of the team. And that's exactly what happened. This guy joined this soccer club and immediately they started winning. He lifted their game. But subtly, people began to notice that this guy trash talked some of the management and some of the coaches. And his words were like cancer on the team. So on one hand, they were doing wonderfully and the team was actually building much of its strategy around this particular player. But meanwhile, in the locker room, on the field, outside of the games, he was undermining the managers that had the good of the team in mind. And it got so bad that they had to fire the guy and kick him off the team. And that's exactly what Jude is pointing to. He's saying there are people that come into the church and they might be gifted. They might be doing things that appear to be good. They've got spiritual gifts. But discern them. If there's dissension, if there's a subtle attitude there, an unwillingness to play with the team, to submit to others, to take coaching, beware. And friends, we're all broken. All Saints Church is actually all sinners church in process of becoming saints because the Holy Spirit indwells us. Every church is dysfunctional. Would you agree? Every church has dysfunction. But I will say we are doing our best at this church to mutually submit to one another, to submit to the Lord Jesus, to proclaim truth from Scripture. We prize marriage, biblical marriage, and biblical family, and friendship, and community. And when people come in and they subtly undermine that, we got a problem. 
And so I want to encourage us, as you see, if someone creates strife and division and talks behind the back of other people, they need to be confronted. Matthew 18 says that, the biblical thing to do, if there is an issue with someone in the church community, the loving biblical thing to do, as Jesus said in Matthew 18, is to go directly to them and to take someone else with you and to confront them in love. And that's what we prize and value here. And we're doing our absolute best to practice that. You do it in love, you do it in humility. And unfortunately, I've experienced that in this church and other churches, it's human nature. And some folks are just immature and they need a little bit of coaching on that and they get better and make the adjustments. Some people resist and they have, they're rebellious and they're offended by that. And then they go and share their offense with other people. And friends, I've watched people like this who end up and go, they share their offense with other people subtly. And before you know it, they've got two, three, four, five people that are in their tribe now. And they are speaking negative things about a group of people or about the leadership. The Lord doesn't like that. That's what Jude is getting at. We have to root those things out. How do we process this? The first thing is we look into our own hearts, right? Because as I read this, I want my first response to be, Lord, would you cleanse my heart of these things? Where I have even an inclination toward these things, rebellion, an unhealthy view of money, Whatever it is, Lord, would you transform me? And so Jude is inviting us to look into our own hearts and to walk in repentance, to get healing. And if and when someone does speak to you directly and say, hey, I, I was hurt. I hear that you're talking about me or you're talking about so-and-so, and so I'm coming directly to you because I love you. I care for, I want community and I want health. We have to be humble and repentant and walk in it. Amen? So that's important. That should be our first move is Lord have mercy on me. Look in the mirror. The second thing is we do have to be vigilant as a church community, don't we? When we discern these things, and I think our first, if you discern this happening with someone, you pray. Take it to the Lord. Lord, I, I'm observing this. This doesn't look healthy. Can you give me your heart and your perspective and give me a wingman or a wingwoman that I can go and speak with this person in a loving, humble way? And then it may come to the point where you have to speak to trusted leaders, maybe your group leader, maybe a pastor on staff, and sometimes it comes to that point. The bottom line here, Jude wants this and we want this at All Saints. We want a healthy community. Wouldn't you agree? And we humans need correction and training and coaching oftentimes. Let's look at the next section here. How are we doing? Doing all right? So he's laid out those three things and look at verse 12. He's going to describe them more. And again, all of these word pictures, he takes a number of word pictures here. They're all rooted in scripture. Jude, it seems, has been meditating on the Bible, looking at the situation prayerfully, and he has his mind and his heart filled with word pictures from the Bible. 
And he says at verse 12, look what he says. He says they're blemishes. Some of your Bibles may say blemishes or coral reefs in your love feasts. They're without fear. They're feeding themselves. And what Jude is getting at here is that there's stains on the garment of the church. They stain the church. They themselves are stains. If your text says coral reef, it's basically these folks can lodge themselves in the church and lead to shipwreck for other people. They're hidden there and just like a ship is making its way through the water and they don't see a reef and they hit it and it affects, it rips the boards off the bottom of the ship. These folks are like that as well. And what he means by love feasts, that's basically in the early church, we know. We're actually going to practice it here together. But in the early church, they were in one another's homes. And they gathered and they would have a meal and experience table fellowship with one another. And at some point in that meal, they would break bread and celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so what Jude is saying, these people have infiltrated even this table fellowship. Even that moment where you're breaking bread together, they have wormed their way into there. You've got to be aware of them and you've got to call them out. Look at the rest of verse 12. These people are waterless clouds. They promise rain. These people appear to be filled with good things, but they actually lead to dryness. They're spiritual mirages. They're autumn trees. Look at the rest of verse 12 without fruit, twice dead, uprooted. Does that sound like a pretty rough tree? He is laying it on thick. They give empty promises. They bring famine, not food. They're the opposite of the tree in Psalm 1. Who can remember what's in Psalm 1? The tree that is planted by streams of water. The tree that yields its fruit in its season the tree that doesn't wither, the tree that prospers. Jude is saying, these false teachers, who they are, what they do is the opposite of what God calls his people to be, rooted, drawing from him. They're wild waves of the sea. Look at verse 13. And he's looking, you can look at this later, but Isaiah 57, 20, the prophet Isaiah says that false teachers and False prophets wreak havoc on God's people. They stir up problems. They're like a wave that comes and hits the beach and leaves dirt and debris. They're wild waves of the sea. And then the last descriptor here at the end of verse 13, they're wandering stars. And for Jude, he's basically saying these false teachers are off track. They're not in line with the orbit of Christ's teachings. Unlike planets or like the North Star that guides travelers, these folks are like trying to get travel plans from meteors and shooting stars. That doesn't work well, right? Ancient travelers, Jude knows, they look at the North Star, they use it like a compass. He's saying these people are unreliable. If you look to them for direction, you will be led astray. Let's look at the book of Enoch here quickly and then we'll come and have the Lord's Supper. I'm going to read verses 14 through 16. Talk about this prophecy from Enoch. Look at verse 14. It was also about these, these false teachers that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied saying, listen to what he said, see the Lord is coming with 10,000s 
of his holy ones, to execute judgment on all and to convict everyone of all the deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers and malcontents. They indulge in their own lusts. They are bombastic in speech, flattering people to their own advantage. So Jude returns to the subject of guaranteed judgment of the false teachers. And he uses this book called First Enoch. It's an ancient Jewish apocalyptic writing from about 200 years before Christ. And it automatically opens up, why would Jude quote from this book? And just like last week, we don't know. We can't ask him. But I did a lot of research on this, and I think Jude is quoting from him because in addition to Scripture, and that's where most of his arguments are coming from, right? He's using the Word of God. He's pulling something from more popular culture that everyone knew at the time. That's what he's doing. And I mentioned last week, just like contemporary preachers, you're preaching from the Scriptures, and you might pull from literature. You might use a story from another source outside Scripture to reinforce the point. I think that's what he's doing here. This book was attributed to the prophet Enoch, and he goes into this. He talks about Genesis 5. He's the seventh in line from Adam. We know Enoch walked with God. He was taken into heaven. And so Jude is saying the person of Enoch is actually a prophetic person. He didn't write this book but we're drawing insights. And what's found in First Enoch is actually found in Scripture. Now, without going down this bunny trail, but can you think of other books that are mentioned in the Bible that are outside the canon of Scripture? We got any Bible geeks in here? Anyone that came up through the Baptist church where you would learn such things? I'm just gonna list a few. This is interesting. This is an opportunity where he's quoting from Enoch, the book of the wars of the Lord is mentioned in Numbers 24. Isn't that interesting? It's not in scripture. We don't know what it is. The book of Gad, the seer, the prophet is mentioned in 1 Chronicles 29, 29. Interesting, right? Doesn't make it scripture, but these other sources are mentioned even within scripture itself, like Jude is doing here. He's making a point. The point Jude is making is this. Prophets, Old Testament prophets, other prophets declared that one day the Messiah would come with his angels and saints, just like we read here. Matthew 24, 31 and 2 Thessalonians 1, 7. He's gonna come with his angels and his saints to execute judgment on everyone, including false teachers for their sinful deeds against him and his people. Let's stand, church. We'll look next week at what Jude says about contending for the faith and how we build ourselves up on our most holy faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. But because this is the word of God, we have to go where Jude is going. Right, And he has spent a good amount of time unmasking the false teachers. 
And so it's an invitation for us to go down that road with him, to hear the descriptions, to learn from it, to have our eyes open. How might we discern false teaching? How might we be called afresh into the Holy Scriptures so that we can have that in our minds and hearts and know? I'm going to ask the servers to come forward. We're going to break bread together. Celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. We'll come up here in a moment and we have gluten-free bread there that will be served. I'm going to read as we do. Every time from 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three, the Apostle Paul says this. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So Lord, we thank you for your body. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for the healing that it brings. As we talked about earlier this morning, we receive it as holy medicine today. We pray that we would encounter you through your body and your blood. We come to you, Jesus. We love you. We receive your love. Why don't you come forward?